Greetings and welcome to Polson Foursquare Church. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I'm happy that you've joined us today. This year of 2023, our focus is Together on Mission. In our teaching throughout this year, we will talk much about how we are all called to be a missional church and a missional people. Colossians 4, 2 through 6 are our theme verses that speak about being a people of prayer and of preparedness and how we are to go out and be witnesses to those around us in our everyday life. So today as we study God's word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and pray that you'll be blessed by our podcast teachings and that you'll be edified and enriched in God's word. Thank you and may God bless you all. Chapter 5 today. Jill did an excellent job on Mother's Day last week, uh, teaching from Psalm 139. Hey, if you ever miss a Sunday or you want to follow up, usually we have our sermons and everything on our website or our Facebook page. Um, our Facebook page is Polson Foursquare Church. It's pretty complicated. But uh, if you're on that, you can watch us live, like uh, hopefully it's working right now. Uh, that people watch us every Sunday or during the week whenever they get a chance. You can uh, follow up that way. Uh, as well as we have our Polson Foursquare Church uh, website, polsonfoursquare.org. You can uh, follow up on there, Spotify, different things, that, different ways that you can uh, uh, connect. It'll also find out what's going on in the life of our church, uh, different uh, things on there, so a way to connect even when you're not physically here. Uh, so we're going to read today in uh, Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to read through just a, a portion here, the first 11 verses, if you want to follow along. So having just ended in chapter 4, uh, talking about Abraham and the faith Abraham had, uh, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. You can read through all that. Um, and then um, leading into this, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are yet sinners, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from the wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through whom we have now received reconciliation. Father God, we just thank you for your word. God, that you will speak to us 
through this today. To each of our hearts, God, may we see how we can uh, embrace suffering, how we can endure through these things. Thank you that you've overcome the things of this world. God, that we can live in your grace. We can see so much more about life besides just the problems, the things that we struggle. God, that you also work through those things for our good. And I just ask that you'll speak to us through these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Romans 5, I love this chapter. I hope that you do too. I love Romans. Uh, Romans chapter 5, uh, there's so much good stuff in this chapter as we just read and maybe even some familiar scriptures in there. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a powerful verse to remember for all of us. But these first 11 verses talk about and deal with reconcil our reconciled relationship uh, with God because of what Christ has do done. Not what we do, but what he's done for us. Even before we were ever born, it says Christ died for us. And we have access to the Father. He brought us into this place of this uh, undeserved privilege, if you will. That we have a place in the Father's heart. God wants us to know that. That you are loved by God. That you have a place, that we're not just enemies of God. provided for us a place in our new relationship with God that we are now, we're called friends of God. We can actually be called children of God. That we can call him Abba Father. And if you would understand this from their perspective in this context, is that no one would ever have described God as a uh, Abba Father. Abba Father was an intimate place of saying daddy God, or they would say Abba. You can sometimes even hear this among Hebrew children today, uh, talking to their daddies is Abba, Abba, you know, because that is a place reserved for intimacy with a uh, earthly father, but now we're describing God in that way that he wants us to know that we are friends, that we're not just enemies. And all of this uh, really should produce joy because I don't know what your subtitle in your Bible says. Mine says peace and joy. <laughs> but he's talking about suffering. How does that equate in this? We joyfully look forward to sharing of God's glory, as it's describing in verse 2. And there's this, there's this joyful anticipation that we can have to come. And it's like getting ready for uh, a vacation, or it's like getting ready for a wedding. Uh, or a trip that you're taking. Now, the anticipation gets you all excited. I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait to get to go on this trip, or I can't wait to get married. Uh, this anticipation gets you all excited. How much more anticipation he's describing of sharing God's glory that brings joy, that we can share in the glory of God. Today, I want to talk about how we can rejoice when we, now this seems kind of contradictory, but how we can share in the glory of God and we can rejoice when we fall into problems and suffering. Woohoo! <laughs> that sounds exciting. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm excited. Amen. So, I know that sounds weird. Um, but in verses three, Paul is, we can 
even find joy in the hard things, in the suffering, in the difficulties and hardships. Why? Why? Why can we say that? Why can we experience that? Because God is at work. He is taking these things that we go through that develop endurance, that develop character, and develop hope within us. Do you know when you always try to run away from your difficulties, you're actually going to stay at a level of immaturity? You're going to stay at a level of, I have never, I always want to run away from my problems. I want to escape them, that I will never truly uh, be developed that character that God works through those situations. How many can relate to that in my, in my life that maybe you did run from that at times because I, didn't, I couldn't handle it? And it's not necessarily God that's causing those problems in your life, but God will take those things that we experience and use it for our good. And so there's oftentimes, as a parent or as a grandparent, we go into this protective mode. We want to protect our kids, our grandkids, and that's only natural. Yes, we always want to protect our kids. But are there times we have to let our kids experience hardship? That we would lessen what God wants to do through that by keeping them from those problems. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That we all want to go into the mommy-daddy mode of protecting our kids from all problems and never give them any hardship. But at the same time, that's setting themselves up for failure for later on in life. We have to protect our kids, but we also have to say, stop playing God. Stop playing God from protecting our kids from all things that they may go through so that they would learn through that, and maybe we as well. God, I always want to say, no, you can't do that. No, it's, you're going to fail miserably, all these things. Oh, don't do that. You know, and, and I hope that kids will learn from our testimony or our own experiences, but sometimes well, how, how many of you have had to learn the hard way? You've had to learn the hard way. You were perhaps the prodigal. Maybe you were the one that had to learn things difficult because you're like, yeah, whatever. So you ignore that. But God is at work. He's developing these things. Now I'm going to reference a couple other places. It talks about difficulties in 1 Peter First Peter 1, 1 Peter chapter 4, James chapter 1 also says that we can rejoice in problems because God is at work in them to build our faith, to build our character. And in that, he is perfecting us. That's why I'm titling my message, Embracing the Struggle. Don't always run from the struggle. Say, God, help me to learn through this. Brace the struggle. And more than anything, we can rejoice in our wonderful relationship with God. Thank you, God, you're drawing me closer to you. Maybe these problems are, in a sense, keeping me from becoming so independent and so self-absorbed that I take care of all my problems myself. But God can take this and he can use this to show, you need me. You need me. Well, we always need God, but these problems can show God, us, we need God. We need his help every day. Not just when we have problems, but really every day. 
And often we turn to prayer when we turn to God is when we have our problems. But we need to turn to God every day, regardless. Then in verse 11, it tells us, good and bad alike come and go, but this is constant. I am a friend of God. I have a relationship with God because of Jesus. This is the ultimate source of joy at really any moment. And good or bad, I am still God's friend. I am still loved by God. Today I want to remember to rejoice in anticipation of all that God has in store for me and rejoice in the midst of my struggles and my troubles knowing that God is at work. I know it seems kind of weird. Thank you, God, because you're building my character right now. <laughs> Thank you that I can just preserve and perseverance develops hope and hope does not disappoint. And, and maybe we do need to do that. Uh, I rejoice in this relationship with God, and I, I am a friend of God. God, draw me closer to you through these things so that I would see you not just in the struggle. I would see you in, in all of life, and I can rejoice in that. I can't ever promise you that the Christian life is free from problems. That would be ludicrous of me to ever say such a thing. And if you've ever heard that, that's, that's a mistake. That's a false teaching. Life is not free from problems. Life is hard. It's a struggle. But there is growth and change in the struggle. And Paul says that our suffering produces character and more. In Romans, that, what we just read, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, character, and character hope. Now, James also calls us to rejoice in our struggles because it re results in what? Maturity. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, if it's up there, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Let it finish its work. Don't run from it to say, okay, help me to, to endure through it. I don't know, I think of sports often when I'm thinking of this. Is I had a coach, you know, that'd make you do runs and laps and do all these things. And, and I remember playing football as a kid in high school. And, and man, you, I was sore. I could barely get out of bed, you know, after that first couple practices. Just like, ow, this hurts, you know. And, and oh, I could not move, you know, when you're doing those things. And then by the end of the season, I'm like, hey, I was a little more buff than I used to be. You know, I had to work out at the gym and pump iron, you know, and do those things and do those laps and running. You know what? Um, I never have liked running ever, um, but I know it's been beneficial to me, you know, when I did do that because at the end, I didn't, I didn't feel the struggle anymore. I didn't feel the pain like I did before because it developed muscles in that same way in that same picture that we see God's developing something in us and if we run away from it instead of running in it we're going to miss out on that he says it develops uh, let it finish its work so that you may be mature complete your struggles can leave you bitter or better right <laughs> it's your choice you can choose to run and you'll miss out on the growth or you
embrace the struggle, and God will develop perseverance, character, and hope. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 4, I want to look in there a few different scriptures today. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 through 19 says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. But for the spirit of glory and God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. For it is time for the judgment to begin with the household of God. God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Then, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Now, when Peter was writing this, um, they were going through an enduring uh, severe persecution. Unlike we would experience in our country, we have great freedoms and, and such. Uh, but here they were enduring suffering uh, as Christians and some even being put to death. So the scripture is talking about uh, a different investment and a way bigger and in return way bigger riches if they would endure through that. Peter wants to encourage Christians not to give up in the midst of those hardships. Endure them. Go through them. When your life is invested in Jesus, there are incredible, unimaginable riches of joy on the other side of those difficulties that you've been going through. Don't give up. Invest your life in Jesus and hang on when things get difficult. I don't know if I like doing this sermon today. <laughs> it's, it's not even fun because I'm like, I don't want to go through this. Uh, but one thing I want to point out today, the very first thing is that um, God will not waste your suffering. What does that exactly mean? God will turn your sorrows into joy. He will turn your troubles into testimonies. You probably heard the saying, God turns our messes into messages. He won't waste a hurt. Or the old adage says that hurt people hurt people or rejected people reject people, right? That's it. often the truth. Yeah, when we've been hurt, uh, we want to stay away from people. When we reject people or we've been rejected, when we've been hurt, we we stay away. We reject people. And that may be true, but I want to say also the outcome of walking through and going through those things is that free people free people. When you've been freed by God, you can free people. And again, the Christian life is not promised to be easy. In fact, it's quite the opposite. John 
16, verse 33, Jesus said this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In the midst of trouble, he is with us. We can be assured of that. Those were some of the words of Jesus. And the first part is not my favorite promise in the Bible. Jesus was right. Though this is a troubling world, I'm often troubled by the current events in our world. But thankfully, Jesus is the one who's already said, I've overcome the world. My allegiance is to him no matter what. And when the world is dark, Jesus will always shine brighter. And he calls us to be his light for him. And his light would shine through us as we, we, we draw closer to him. And as we shine for Jesus and stand with him for what he stands for, there will be trouble, there will be rejection, there will be persecution because of us, because of those things. But he will never give up on me. He will never give up on us, and I will never give up on him. And I hope that's true of you and your faith. I will never give up on God, no matter what may come, and the freedoms we may lose. Peter tells us this should not be surprising. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at this fiery ordeal that you're going through. That has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised by that. Peter tells and writes that the world will be surprised by the way we live as believers. 1 Peter 4 verse 4 says, they, you know, they are surprised that you do not join with them in their reckless and wild living and they heap abuse on you. Do we stand apart from the world or should we? That we're not compromising by the world but we're, we're not joining in with their their recklessness and their, their, their life, or we that we're not living a hypocritical life, but that we do stand out. We are set apart to be different. And the world might be surprised by that. How come you don't agree with us? How come you do not support what we're, we're emphasizing in the world? I'm like, I can't because it contradicts the way I believe and the, against the word of God. I, will, I can't change that. I stand on the word of God to be my, my source. It is the truth. Not just many truths out there. This is the truth that I hold to. God's word never changes. Now, I do have to say it's pretty amazing to live in a country where we have a religious freedom. And, I, and we can pray. We can assemble and worship God together. Not all Christians have the same experience around the world. Uh, and we should never take that for granted because our freedom did come with a cost of many lives. Absolutely. In your lifetime, you may experience opposition because of your trust in Jesus, and likely more so in the future as we depart from biblical beliefs and values. But I hope that we can all learn to trust Jesus when we do face persecutions, when we do face these situations, that we can be secure in our faith so that we may be ready more so to trust him as we do face larger persecutions. No matter what comes, I will always live my faith even if it means to the death. Peter tells the believers that this fiery ordeal that they are facing 
is there to test them. I don't pray, God, bring on fiery ordeals in my life so that I can be tested. Um, But God can use our suffering of him for his will and purposes. And in suffering, we can actually learn what it means to be like Jesus. And God can somehow use those sufferings in our life. Use those things for our good. And God will not waste your suffering when you suffer for him. He will turn that around, our mess into messages. And, the, and really that testimony becomes prophetic in someone's life. It says that in, in Revelation 19.10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the testimony of the things that you've gone through can be a powerful testimony to someone else that needs to hear it. Thank you, Jesus. I can point to Jesus that he helped me through this. Hopefully I can be a witness to you. Not just to protect you or to keep you from all problems, but may it be that it might be a a prophetic word to have someone come to their own place of recognition of needing Jesus. That as God healed you, as God rescued you, as God saved you, he can do it for me too. And that's powerful. Everybody has a testimony. The word Peter used for test is a word that's associated with uh, the purifying of metal. Metal is heated up to this liquid state and the impurities are revealed as they rise to the top where they can be removed. They remove the dross. They skim that off. And so suffering for being a Christian acts as a refinement in us and has a way of you could say encouraging us to examine our lives to see what we perhaps need removed. Now there's a couple scriptures in the Bible that talk about removing of things. And there is the, the famous passage in John 15 that talks about the pruning. Now the pruning is not you pruning yourself. Sorry. Uh, You can't just go out and prune prune yourself. I need to cut this out. I need to cut this out. Then I'll be more holy. Then I'll be more like God. He, he, He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. My father is the vine dresser. And he will prune those things that are are limiting the growth in us. Now, he's talking about the vine or a a grapevine. And actually, better translations would say that he doesn't even cut those things out of us. But it, it, uh, another way of looking at it, he takes them out of the, du- the dirt. He lifts them up where they've been caught in the dirt so that he, then he binds it back to the vine. If you've ever seen a, a, a grape vines or where they grow uh, for wine and such, you know, if there's, there's limbs that are these vines that, that fall into the ground, he says he, they'll pick them up. God, the Father, in that sense, is picking them out of the mire, the dirt, and then binding them to himself. Not just cutting a whole bunch of stuff off of us because it's too precious. He said, no, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to clean you up. I'm trying to get you to become more productive in growth rather than the limiting because you're stuck in the mud. And he's going to do that. So it's not about us just trying to, okay, I need to go through this fiery ordeal. Just turn up the heat, God, so that I can, I can have that metal, that impurities boiled out of me. Uh, if you want to pray that, go for it. I mean, if, if you're excited about that, go for it if you want to do that. But at the same time, yes, are there things in us that need to be purified? 
Likely so. God, purify my heart. <laughs> Create a clean heart within me, O God. It says in uh, Psalm 51, the prayer of David, you know, after he sinned, you know, cleanse me from within, purify me from within. That's a great prayer. So we can rejoice in suffering. Hmm. Peter actually says that we should rejoice in suffering in, in 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I'm also reminded of Acts when Paul and Silas, they were arrested, and they were singing hymns, and they were praising God that they shared in the sufferings of Christ. Thank God that we were beaten for you, Jesus. Thank God for that. I don't know how many of us would be doing that in that moment and singing hymns and praising God. Thank you that we were able to bear the marks and the, and the, the suffering for Jesus. You know there are people that still do this today. Even this very day that Christians are martyred pretty much every day around the globe for their faith. That they willingly would go to the prisons. That they willingly go and be beaten. And they would willingly even go to the death for Jesus. Because they will never renounce their faith in Jesus. I don't wish that upon anybody. That we would experience that. But it may be in our lifetime. We don't have the freedoms that we, we could. What we're experiencing today. It may not be that. But you know, sometimes even in the midst of persecution is when the church has grown the most around the world. You know that the underground church in China is one of the most, and North Korea, some of the most persecuted Christians in, around the world in those countries and in India and such. That they're essentially in hiding, if you will, underground churches, but it's growing like more than anything. And we have freedoms. And you know what? Those places in those underground churches, and I've been in one before in India. People that, I went there and I spoke to this room, smaller than this, about half this size. Half this size. Um, and I, and the, I was asked to, be, to go and speak and minister to these people and pray for the sick and healing and such. And my friend uh, Raju was with me when we went there years ago. And... Believe it or not, in that room, half this size on the floor were over 500 people packed in this basement, this concrete basement. And some, I found out, walked for three days to get there. Three days. And they took me in this back entrance and down this thing into this room. And they had like three or four light bulbs in this whole room. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. They heard that, you know... We're going to be praying for the sick and, and for healing. And this room was packed. And I'm like, wow, what can we learn from that? Man, we think we're persecuted when we don't have our favorite coffee creamer at the church this morning. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, these seats are terrible. They're pain, they're painful, you know. And I'm like, you don't have a clue. You have no clue what hardship is compared to what some of these people are. And we take it for granted. There are many things that we do take for granted. We experienced a little small taste when COVID hit. 
of persecution, of the church being limited in what we could and couldn't do. But that was nothing, nothing. We had to improvise. We had to be creative. We had to go online. We had to do all kinds of stuff. But that's nothing. What are we going to do if real persecution comes? I hope our church wouldn't stop. I hope it would even grow further. I hope it would expand in our homes, in our places of work, wherever we would gather. We are the church, not this building. The church is people. So I can rejoice in suffering. Does that mean Christians should grin and bear it? Fake smiles, pretending we don't hurt. I love hurting, it's great. Um, do I look more Christian now because I'm, because I'm going through that? It can't mean that. It doesn't mean trying to see how much more suffering we can take. No. This is not the type of rejoicing Peter was describing in this. You know that the truth is, in my life, many of the good memories I enjoy have obstacles that needed to be overcome in them. Where I can see that God taught me through those obstacles. I suspect the same is true of you. That that's why, you know, in sports we say everybody loves a comeback. If you're, if you're really into sports. We love to see people overcome the, uh, the difficulties. They came back. They got that last touchdown or that home run at the last minute. That was so exciting. You know, those things are cool. But our suffering also gives birth to something in us. It is a cause for rejoicing. And God is using our suffering to birth something in us. Romans 5, 1 through 5. You know, I'll read that again. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access this grace in which we now stand and we can boast in the hope of the glory of God not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character character hope and hope does not put us to shame it does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us so we can glory in suffering knowing that it produces these things Character, perseverance, hope. We get better through going through trials. So, do you remember? Do you remember your first heartbreak? Uh, it may take you a second, but you probably said back then, "I'm never, ever going to get over this. I'm never going to recover from this. How could I ever love someone ever again as much as I love them?" And it's not to belittle your sixth grade heartbreak. It's the biggest heartbreak they probably ever felt. And it's valid, but we don't stay there. I didn't. I think I told you this, Jill. <laughs> but uh, Teresa and I went out for two and a half days. <laughs> You know, our bus, every couple months, we would take a, a bus ride to the roller skating rink. And on the way back, it was common for us to ask the girl out to go out with you. And I'm sure somewhere in that roller skating night, 
that the disco ball was turning. It was couples only, rolling around the rink, you know, the disco ball's going, the lights turned down, and we were probably holding hands. And it was, it was a set deal. So naturally, on the way home, I got up the nerve, and I went and asked Teresa to go out with me, and she said yes. And then Monday, it all came crashing down. She called me and said, I just want to be friends. You know what that means? Just want to be friends. That means I don't want you in my life anymore. So I was crushed at that moment in my life, but I got over it. Jill came later on down the road. <laughs> She's been with me for 38 plus years. So <laughs> We grow through things like that. We grow through... I didn't think it was, you know, I'm, obviously I still remember it, but I, you know, I've forgiven Teresa a long time ago. <laughs> we, we learn to trust God. So if you remember your first trial, what about your first trial as a Christian? Experiencing that in the workplace, perhaps, among family members that said, what are you doing? What are you thinking about being a Christian? You know, what did you learn through that? How did you experience that hardship of saying that you're putting your faith in Jesus? We learn to trust God. We learn to stick through it. We don't give up on God. Did you say, oh God, how can you let this happen to me? But did you mature through that as well? In suffering for Jesus, we see a greater glimpse into uh, who he is. We see Jesus more clearly. Jesus suffered for us so that when we're in a place where we are suffering for him, this can bring us um, greater joy. Thank you, God, that I can share a little bit, a small taste of the things that you endured for me. Not because Jesus wishes us to suffer, but because of it, he points us to the day when we will be, there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more death. Because of Jesus, and Peter tells us, our joy now will grow us into us being overjoyed at the second coming of Christ. I, I look forward to that. I don't know about you, and, and maybe there's days I'm going through struggles and, and moments in my life where I'm just saying, God, would you come back now? Please, will you just return now so we just can be caught up together and it'll be better. And at the same time, God, it says, God wants no one to perish, but every single day around this world, someone's coming to faith in Jesus that is being rescued and most likely it's through people like you and me that are leading someone to Jesus. That we're taking them along with us. You know, if you're being raptured, please grab onto someone. Say, it's now or never, or I'm going to let you go. You know? <laughs> it's like, always be thinking about someone else that needs Jesus. That God would give us a picture more than just what we want out of it to be saved and raptured and sent to heaven for eternity. But we're always mindful of some lost one that still needs Jesus. To keep that ever before us, that great commission to go out and continue to preach the good news so that all may hear. 
And it might be out here right on the ball field, you know, right there, just loving on our community that come to our front door, our front yard. And so in our suffering Jesus, for Jesus, we are reminded that Jesus is making us more like him. And um, he will complete that work. And it, this is the wonder of Jesus as he takes what is meant for evil and he turns it around for good. And he can take your pain, he can take your suffering and turn it around into joy of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so will you trust him in that? Will you trust him in those things in those situations you may be facing right now and have him turn it around for your good. Secondly, God is near you during your suffering. We can be assured of that. He is with you. Jesus doesn't use our, just use our suffering for good. He also is with us in it. And I often will ask someone, as they're just seeing, God, you weren't there. You weren't there. And I and often I'll say, God, will you reveal to them and show them exactly where you were in that? Will you show him that you were there? And at the same time, even though you endured hardship, and, and it wasn't God's fault that that happened. We live in a fallen, sinful world. And there are abuses. There are horrible things that happen to people. But God, would you show yourself in such a way that I can see where you were and how you did protect my life from being taken from me? You, I can see you even in, in the midst of that hardship and that struggle that I went through, that you were there and you were grieving just as much. You were with me in that. And perhaps I can't see it because I can only see the, I can see the pain and the suffering I went through, but I, God, I, I pray that you can show me that you were there all along. 1 Peter 4.14 says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now in this particular context, Christians were being mocked. They were being insulted. They were talked poorly about because of their trust in Jesus. They were persecuted and some even killed. But Peter says they were actually blessed in this. When, you're, when you are persecuted because of Jesus, God blesses you with his presence. God promises your ultimate deliverance from trouble from this world, but he also promises you in this current presence through his Holy Spirit. He will be with you. Now, there can be a temptation when things get difficult to move away from God, but Peter says that God is near you in your suffering. I want my default when I face trouble to look for Jesus. God, where are you? How can you show me where you are in the midst of this? Where is God in this? Where is God? And sometimes I go, oh, thank you, God, for showing me that's exactly what you showed me through this. That's exactly what you taught me through that situation. I did learn through that. The spirit of God's glory rests on you. What a beautiful thing to say to those who are suffering for Jesus recommend it. You're being perfected. Rejoice. God's building character in you. I mean, don't be dumb when you say stuff like that. I think be a little more sensitive than that. You know, I think sometimes we, we just quote scriptures out of context, you know, just like 
that's probably true, but maybe not a good thing to say right now. <laughs> so be careful how you, you quote scripture to someone that's going through a moment of suffering or mourning or perhaps, you know, pain. I think the best thing in that situation is to be present with them, cry with them, hug them, be with them, spend time, listen to them. Sometimes that's the most and the best thing you can do in the midst of those times. The spirit of glory rests on you. Now, I have to say, Peter is not just talking about suffering. He's talking, of, uh, he's talking about suffering because of the name of Jesus. And in fact, he clarifies that in 1 Peter 4, 15 and 16. It says, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Between uh, a Christian and being insulted because for being a Christian, okay? There's a difference between suffering for Christ and being insufferable. Peter says that there is no glory in suffering for being a murderer or a thief or a criminal uh, or a meddler. He's saying, no, <laughs> you're not being persecuted because you're a murderer or a thief or a meddler or you know, any of those things. That's not suffering that I'm talking about. And so he, I love how he adds, adds meddler in this. Uh, not just thieves and murderers, but meddling in someone else's business. You're not, you're not just being persecuted because you're meddling in someone else's business. When people insult you because of these things, you aren't being persecuted. You're just being nosy and obnoxious, is what he's saying. However, if you actually do suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. So God is walking us through our suffering as he does this purifying in us more to be more like him. We're going to be more like God when we, when we go through this. That's what, that's what his judgment looks like. Uh, in 1 Peter 4, 17 and 18, for a time for the judgment to begin with God's household. And it begins with us. You know, I can always point out someone else's problems. It's really easy to do. Where do I start with Jill and then Lori and then Jim? <laughs> I, could, I could be really easy at being critical and just going through and, oh, yeah, I know what you need. You need this or you need that. Stop doing that. And I would be preaching at you if I was doing that. But really, I got to take these things to my heart and say, God, what are you teaching me? What are you showing me? Self-examination, if you will. Look at my own problems before I cast the first stone, before I judge someone else. Look at the speck in their eye, or take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of their eye. Be careful. Let judgment begin with me before I dare say what you need to do. We all sit under the judgment of God, both Christians and people who don't follow Christ. For Christians, this judgment is having uh, a purifying effect on us as our sin is finally dealt with and we are made holy as Christ is holy. God is using our current suffering in this way. So this is not a judgment that says we're getting what we deserve for all our bad stuff that we've done. It's a judgment that is a test revealing to us of 
our iniquities. And yes, the test is hard, but don't run away from it. You think that you're running to comfort, but you're actually running to a worse judgment that will come later on. And this is not God's will for you. So without Christ, we are left to our own repercussions of our sin, and sin leads to death. And so Jesus has dealt with our sin through his resurrection, and he is dealing with, his, with its repercussions in his grace through the suffering in this life so that we have abundant life with him. So the stakes are high, and as you do not want to face judgment apart from Jesus, he is the one who turns our rebellion against God into adoption, into God's family, and God's likeness, and who he is, and his, his character. So put your trust in Jesus. So what do we do if we face trouble in this life because we follow Jesus? Well, the last thing Peter pointed out in that passage is trust God. And do good. <laughs> Pretty simple, but it's trust God and then do good. Because you're a Christian, you will not always be accepted by the world. But the thing we can learn to do is trust God no matter what's going around us. 1 Peter 4.19 So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Just continue walking with Jesus. And you know what? It's not about you trying to do good. It's actually he will produce that good fruit in you as you continue to walk in him. Read Galatians 5. Walk in the spirit as he is in the spirit. You won't gratify the desires of your sinful nature, but rather he will start to develop the good fruit in you. He is the vine. We are the branches. We can't prune ourselves but he'll lift us up out of the miry clay. He'll brush us off. He'll clean us off. And then he goes, apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me as I am in you. And you will produce good fruit. You will produce fruit. Walk with him and do good is, I guess the good part really is his goodness that's working through us and changing us from within when Peter writes to commit yourself to God, he's usually using a Greek word that means to entrust yourself to the care of someone else. I don't know if I could say this word. Paraithemi? That's the word, if you want to look it up. But it's the word that was used when uh, someone was going on a trip that they would entrust their belongings back to someone else that they trusted. So, you know, if you're gone, you want to leave your home in, into the care of someone else, uh, I'm trusting you <laughs> with my stuff. And so that's what, what Peter's describing that. They had to trust the person with everything they had. And so Peter wants to do that with Christ, to trust him with all your stuff. I am entrusting you, Lord, all my stuff. With my whole life, we invest my life in you. And so Paul would say also this in First Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. I consider everything a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ as my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. And Paul was writing that from a dungeon cell. 
I consider all that rubbish for the sake of gaining Christ. I had everything. I had all this world could ever offer me, but that's just garbage. It's useless stuff. That materialism, that stuff that we spend most of our time working for, all that compared to the, that I may gain Christ. Following Jesus is a long-term investment, a lifetime investment, a lifetime or an eternal investment. It may cost you in the short run, but even that is good for my good and for his glory. So I don't give up. I don't give up. As Christians, we trust God no matter what is happening around us. We trust God in the good times and in the bad. We trust God and we do good. In both of these things, our trust and our doing good, we tell the world about God. I just saw a short little video clip of Warren Cunningham, if you know who he is. He founded Youth with a Mission. Uh, Youth with a Mission is uh, an organization that has gone literally around the world. Lauren Cunningham is probably the only man that has ever lived that has gone to every single nation in this world. He literally has gone to every single country in this world, preaching the gospel and sharing all around the world. And now he's literally on his deathbed. And so I just saw a video clip yesterday of him talking, and he's still, he's saying, you know what? They say I don't have much time to live. But he's still saying... As long as I have breath in my lungs, I will continue to share the good news. You know, it just, it's remarkable, some people that just die so well. Would that be our legacy too, in our own deathbed, if perhaps we have a deathbed experience, that our own legacy, even to our dying breath, we would still say, there's still someone else that needs Jesus. It wouldn't be that I just wish I worked more, I wish I worked more hours. I wish I had more money. I wish I had more stuff. I wish I would have done this. Most people on their deathbed wish they would have taken more risks. They all wish they had more time. But they also um, wish they had more relationships. Those three things are common core to the person that's on their, in their last moments of life. What really matters is not what we spend the most of our life working for, but really those three things. And hopefully it's also including Jesus in there. I wish more people would come to Jesus in my life. That's my ultimate goal, that I live for Jesus. We live like him. And like our church mission statement is, we become like Jesus together. That's our mission here at Pulse and Foursquare at least. I want to become like Jesus together. Trust God and do good. This is the way. And the other side is the unimaginable riches of his glory. Don't give up. Don't waste. God won't waste your suffering. God is with you. You can trust him. Hopefully it's developing perseverance and character and hope in you. Trust God and do good. I want to close with that. Lord God, we thank you for this important reminders to us I do pray that, and I, I pray whenever we go through things that we take them to you. We obviously pray for people that are ever sick, ever in need. We always turn to you, but may it not be as a last resort, 
may be ever before us, God, that we're always seeing and, and letting you work in us and through us. And when we do face struggles, that we would go through it and look for you where you are at, in it with us. That you would develop these things in us and make us more mature. That you would make us stronger in our faith. That we can trust in you no matter what. And I thank you for that, Lord. And if there's anyone here today that has never made Jesus their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Maybe even by some things that they've heard today, that they can trust in your word, they could, they could take it to heart and say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I want to commit my life to you. I need you. I ask you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. And I turn from my own ways. I turn from my sin, God, that I would commit myself to following you. You are the branch. You are the vine. I am, uh, <laughs> I am the vine. You are the br branches. And, and Lord, I recognize I can't save myself. I can't, bear good I can't do good things without you. But I commit myself to remaining with you each and every day. And I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.